There's a lot of interesting things going on in Lakerland. Rob Palika creates a story about Kobe, Keith Ledger. It's interesting that they keep coming up in the news for all the wrong reasons. For Kyrie, it's just about figuring out what he wants to do next. If it's going to LA, is it going to New York? There's a lot of things that could happen this summer, so I think it's just going to be a really interesting free agency summer. So I'll briefly just discuss this scrap, I mean Skip Bayless situation. Um, give credit where credit is due is basically what all of us saying. I told Skip to give it a break, and I told him to get that hate out of his heart. And Skip Bayless went on to say that, I'll tell you exactly about how I feel about CJ McCollum. He spelled my name wrong. <laughs> Welcome to the Autogram episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 60. We finally made it to 60, Jordan. Shout out the former Browns Hall of Fame quarterback. Speaking of Browns, did you see Odell Beckham's Rolls Royce removable yeah, thingy? He, now that he's in Cleveland, he's so comfortable, he's going to be showcasing all kinds of new toys. Yeah, he has the new Rolls Royce. It's it's a, It's like 10 grand, right? I just get 400. It's custom, yeah. so it's at least 360 yeah. custom. And then he had the orange colorway. It was it was one of the best Rolls Royce yeah. I've ever seen in my life. For those of you that haven't seen it, check out his. But was he driving page. it? No, no. He he posted the. I don't even know what it's called. the The emblem is usually the type that slides into the yeah. hood of the car, and his is. Him in a jersey. It's like his Odell jersey painted. You haven't seen it? No, I've seen it, but I thought that was his. It's his car, though, right? Yeah, it's his. Yeah, it's it's yeah. custom, though. Yeah. It's all custom uh, Browns colorway. It's like, a, it's like a matte orange colorway with black details. Yeah. It's one of the best uh, Rolls Royce I've ever seen in my life. It was amazing. Nobody, nobody, nobody that owns a Rolls, a Rolls Royce should, should drive it, though. That's Someone should drive it for you, yeah, right? Yeah. But it, he, he has the truck, so I guess the truck is yeah. functional for the individual driver. Maybe him and Baker will ride around Cleveland. They so, should. Yeah, they should. Because they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> I don't think so. Magic Johnson goes on ESPN. There's a development. Allegedly, well, it's true now. <laughs> it is true now. <laughs> it was alleged, but Rob Palika uh, creates a story about Kobe, Heath Ledger. Uh, may he rest in peace. Essentially talking about how Kobe locks in and, and prepares for something and how he went to dinner with Heath. And he, want, he wanted to channel the Joker, Dark Knight, like the way that Heath locked in. He wanted to, to, to meet him and experience it. Yes. And the story he told was that they went to dinner. Six months after the movie was out. Six months after the movie was out. And it, we all know that uh, Heath passed away before the movie actually came yes, out. correct. So he was caught in a bit of a lie, which is an interesting position to be in for him, considering the friction between the franchise right now. Obviously, Magic, the rumors that he was discussing things behind Magic's back. There was a big story about that and that there was a fallout. Long story short, there's a lot of interesting things going on in Lakerland. We've been talking about it for a long time, so I'm sure people are tired of hearing about it. But I just think it's, it's interesting that they keep coming up in the news for all the wrong reasons. You know, I— uh... I wanted to try to understand the Lakers drama, and uh, the more you read about it, I think the worse it gets. Now there's a lot of well, there's been a lot of criticism of Magic for stepping down. There's been a lot of criticism of Rob Palinka, and what's really interesting with Palinka is I have yet to talk to uh, an agent or a GM or a scout or anybody on either side of the coin that says I really like him. 
usually one side will like someone and one won't, or there'll be some kind of a blend. With Rob Palinka, he's just not well-liked. And when you think about the league um, and the fact that your staff are saying he's unqualified, he's 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 treating people badly, they said the same thing about Magic. Um, you wonder how much longer he would last there as a first-year GM. And then also you start to think about, again, the impact it'll have on free agency when when players are going to think about their future. Why would they want to go to a franchise that has no identity and, and hasn't doesn't have a healthy future in the in the near term at least. Yeah, I think there's just so much going on right now. You have to really be cautious about, you know, how you want to align yourself, where you want to align yourself. Obviously, the status of the organization, where the organization is at is important in your decision-making process in terms of trying to figure out uh what to do in the free agency process. I think the fact that you'll be paired with LeBron helps, you know, smooth some things over, but you just have to really figure out where you want to align yourself. There's a little bit of confusion within the organization on roles, who's going to do what, who's the GM, who's running the show, uh, per se. I think Magic talked about not really understanding his role, like what right. he was supposed to do. Feeling like he didn't have the power he needed. Right. He, he was feeling like he was only supposed to have to uh, basically get permission from Genie to sign off on things, and he felt like they there was too many people in line for his decision-making process. He felt like he wanted to be the ultimate authority figure or have Jeannie, you know, kind of say this is okay or this is not okay. He felt like he had to go through too many people. And then there's just the rumors of him being lazy, and he addressed that yesterday saying that, you know, my, my father essentially worked, you know, for 30, 35 years, never missed a day, never been late. You think he would allow, you know, his son, you know, with, I don't know, three, four brothers and sisters, to be lazy. He said, I built a $600 million-plus business. You think I'll be able to do that being lazy? You know, five championships. He kind of went on about what he's been able to accomplish as a player, what he's been able to accomplish, you know, as a businessman, simply saying that there's no way I can be lazy living this lifestyle, creating, you know, all these different avenues of income and flow while being successful and never having complaints from employees. And for him to uh, basically specify that, you know, 35 years, you know, he's never sat in the HR person's office. Basically saying, you think that Jeannie Buss would let this slide and not at least call me to the office and have a discussion with attorneys, lawyers, right. et cetera. So, I mean, he had some some pretty interesting points. He also pointed out that he worked for ESPN for over eight years and that you can ask ESPN employees. You can ask uh, Michael Wilbon, yeah, who was, was sitting on a stand with him, uh, basically about his you know rap sheet. Well, the pushback to that would be, well, there's a lot there to unpack, but the pushback for the laziness factor would be, you know, like he wasn't really out scouting the way he needed to. I think in that role as a president or as a GM, he was president. You know, you you, you need to be totally locked into the job, the scouting element of it. Um, you know, other teams, other players, but also potential draft picks. And a lot of the criticism for Magic was that he wasn't. You know, that he was just he wanted to be Magic. He wanted to be the guy that everybody loves and sees. But in terms of being on the road and really being fully in it, um, that was where the the problems came. Um, you know, I also wonder, CJ, if if because him and Rob did not have a good relationship, I wonder if if Magic felt like if he if if he didn't leave, if it would continue to deteriorate to the point where uh, his Laker legacy would be impacted and maybe he had to cut his losses. And even though this isn't a good ending to his to his Lakers uh, presidential role, this is better than it would have been because it would have just kept spiraling. 
Yeah, I think that definitely played a factor. It, I think it was a situation where he knew the house was burning down and he wanted to get out before it was completely right. burned. And his legacy, obviously, how he's remembered could, be, could yeah. be tainted, sort of, you know, in the event that this continued to spiral out of control with him being one of the leaders of the organization. So I think he was just figured, like, let me disconnect myself. I can get back to tweeting. I can get back yeah. to going on TV. I can get back to talking Working about Working with other players. Other players. Exactly. I think he missed that part of it as well because it is a brotherhood. It is a community um, that is unlike any other community you'll see because we play, we retire, and we still have those friendships and relationships. And a lot of current players love to reach out to previous players. Do, do you think it'll impact his legacy? I don't think so. I think in five years we won't remember right. any of this. Yeah. Just because he was so great. Like what he did on the court is what people will always remember. Yeah. 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 What about with Polinka? Like what's what's the – when you hear a story, when we hear a story that he he says, you know, uh, I, I set up a dinner between Heath Ledger and Kobe uh, six months after Heath Ledger's death, and then they also reached out to people on Heath Ledger's side, and they and they said no, there was no such meeting at all. So it wasn't like it, there was even a meeting before, and he messed up the time or the dates. There was no meeting at all. He just um, kind of made it up. Yeah, I mean, so then you, when when you get caught in a lie like that, and this isn't like the end of the world lie, but when you get caught in a lie like that, then it makes you think, well, what else is he saying that's not true? It does, it does, especially in this case of you know supposedly him talking about magic behind his back, and then him saying that he has no idea what magic is talking about. It kind of makes those situations look fishy. It makes you question, like, I wonder what he was really saying mm-hmm. behind magic's back. But outside of that, I mean. Only he knows. Only he knows you know, what he's doing behind the scenes. Only he knows what's kind of happening and what type of person he truly is to the core. And I think, you know, that's up for for them to, to kind of debate and decide. But for the rest of us, I think we look at it. We kind of, you know, it's odd. Bat an eye, like wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And then we just kind of move forward. It's just like weird. Like why would he make that up? But. Everybody's agenda is different, I guess. Well, it's a very odd and strange thing to make up. It, I don't know what you really gained from it, um, but we've seen stranger scandals. Obviously, Brian Colangelo with the 76ers is another one. Um, I knew Brian. I know Brian personally. Um, I think that was a situation that he probably never anticipated would get. It would never happen. Like nobody would ever find out. I'm sure Rob Polinka thought the same thing. Right. Um, he happened to be on camera saying this, so there's no way to deny it. Uh, I wonder for the Lakers, they, they say they're not going to replace Magic. They're not going to hire another president. They have a GM who has really no experience, um, and they didn't get the first pick. Is is it still is it still a good thing uh, or intriguing enough to be in L.A. and have that market and to play with LeBron? Is that still – I mean, how much weight does that still hold? I mean, I think it just depends on what the free agent values. Everybody values different things. Um, some people value playing in a big market. Some people, some people like the idea of playing alongside a guy like LeBron. Some people don't. So, I think it just really depends yeah. on what the what the player values, where he's at in his life from a family standpoint. Is he married? Does he have kids? How far does he want to move his right. kids? Does he want to have to look into certain schools in LA? There's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into that decision. Does he like the bright lights? Does he like the idea of you know twelve, thirteen percent? State tax. Like, there's a lot yeah. of things that could play a role, and I think it just depends on the player. Well, he could be Kawhi. He could be Kyrie. There's a lot of— Jimmy. Jimmy. Tobias. Tobias. Yeah, I mean, th- we heard that LeBron texted Jimmy right after Game 7 when the Sixers lost to Toronto. 
uh, I don't know if you saw my report about LeBron had dinner with Kyrie at Hyde last Saturday, a week and a half ago mm-hmm. um, in L.A. Then on Wednesday, he had dinner at Noble Malibu, which I also said on Twitter, I think, when, Thursday or – yeah, basically with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. And now, obviously, those guys are both under contract. The really intriguing one is Anthony Davis, who's a Rich Paul client at Clutch. LeBron is Clutch, obviously. Um, we saw them try to um, strong-arm the Pelicans um, into trading him. Didn't happen. New GM, Dell Dems is gone. David Griffin is in now. Um, maybe the Zion effect will, will help Anthony Davis – uh, and make him say, I want to stay. I'm not sure, but it's intriguing that they had dinner. The really, the fact that he had dinner with Kyrie is not necessarily a big deal, but you could see it, right, that Kyrie would want to be back with LeBron. We've talked about his struggles as a number one guy, as a leadership, uh, or in a leadership role. You wonder if being with LeBron, again, could help him get back to that point where he's uh, comfortable as a uh, as a Robin to his Batman, maybe. Yeah, I think for Kyrie, it's just about figuring out what he wants to do next. He he had a tough time down the stretch in Boston. I think there was just a lot of stuff going on with that team in general, with him, him getting hurt, them going pretty far, then him coming back, and there just kind of being yeah. some some friction issues with playing time amongst other players, other players feeling like they should have had more of a role within the team. Then Gordon gets hurt and comes back. There was just a lot of um, developments and setbacks with their team from a – chemistry standpoint that I think really affected them. And then his play ultimately wasn't up to par with how it normally is. He wasn't as great as he normally is uh, in most of those games from an efficiency standpoint. And I think a lot of things probably factored into that. But for him to be able to kind of clear his mind this summer, make a decision on if it's going to L.A., is it going to New York? Is it going to across the bridge in Brooklyn? Like what's the decision that needs to be made? And then I think he just makes it and lives with it, whether that's teaming up with LeBron or KD or a Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, you just yeah. never know what, what what's going to really factor into D-load. that. D-load. D-load could leave. Yeah, there's a lot of things that could happen this summer, so I think it's just going to be a really interesting free agency summer where there's some movement for sure. Yeah. Um, last thing for me with with Kyrie is is um, you know he you talked about the playoff struggles. He had traditionally been great in the playoffs. Right. Boston goes is with one is within one game of the finals last year without him. Um, you know, we we talked about Terry Rozier. Obviously, he was not happy with his sacrifices. I do wonder if if the Celtics as a whole, if Danny Ainge feels like now he can trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Um, they have a ton of picks. If they because now they can go out and get Anthony Davis. Remember that before they couldn't. Now they can. I I do wonder if if that is a possibility. And I also wonder with Kyrie, you know, if maybe being in the uh, in the shadow of LeBron, to a degree, again, is is not the best thing for him because, yes, he hit that great shot and and he helped propel Cleveland to a title, but ultimately that was still LeBron's team. Kyrie has basically said he wasn't ready to be the number one guy on on a championship team. Some guys, I wonder, see like, is it just best off not being ever like maybe you never get to that point where you feel comfortable as a number one guy. Maybe Kyrie really just needs to play with LeBron to maximize everything and not have to be a leader as much and just worry about playing. I think from a skills standpoint... Well, we know he's an incredible player. Yeah, yeah. I think he has all the tools to be whatever type of guy he wants to be. I think there's just so much going on in Boston. I think from a mental standpoint, 
it affected his mentality. It affected like the mood around the team. I think that they just weren't in a good spot. There was no. not a lot of good juju going around. It was not good vibes. And that ultimately, I think it affected everyone's play, not just his. I think when things aren't going well, it's one thing. It's another thing when there seems like Every other day, you're in the media for something. Everything you say is kind of being blown out of proportion. You're talking about leaving. You're talking about staying. Then you're talking about you don't know the organization, anything. I think there was just a lot going on. I'm not going to say that he's not capable of being a number one. I think Kyrie can be whatever he wants to be. I think his talent level has showed that. I think him scoring 40 in the finals you know, showed that it's hard to score 40 in a game, especially in the finals. The shots he's hit, the amount of... Uh, big games, big moments he's had, you know, regardless of what the role was, it's still a big moment. It's still a big game. I think he's capable of that just from a leadership standpoint. I think he learned a lot about himself and about how to lead being on his own in Boston. And that's probably one of the reasons why he re he reached out to LeBron, you know, early on, because now he understood what it was like to have your own team, to have to bring out the best in each individual player, figuring out what to say to the media and what not to say, figuring out how to, you know, sometimes you know, take responsibility on your own instead of deflecting. I think he learned a lot of that stuff during this process in Boston. And ultimately, I think he'll be a better player. And you could see the look on his face when he walked off the court in that last game. And, you know, sometimes failure is the best thing that can happen to you because it really helps you lock back in, helps you kind of reassess where you're at and where you really want to be and where you need to be. And I think ultimately this will, this will turn into a great situation for him regardless of what he does because he'll be better from it. And you've said that you wouldn't take back – for instance, the Pelicans sweep last year, right? No. I mean, you, you'd like to get wins, but I think you learn a lot more from your failures. And yeah. going through that, it, it changes your mentality, changes your mindset, but also shows you what it's like to fail. And then you become more comfortable, you know, in bigger moments because you've already failed. So you know what the worst feels. You know what it feels like to be at the bottom. You know what it feels like to be talked about, to be mentioned in trades, to be, oh, he's not this, he's not that. So when you go through that as a team together, you all go through the struggle. It brings you more, it brings you closer together or it pushes you apart. And for us, it brought us together. For other teams, it's pushed them apart. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think for me, I think it's necessary to have some kind of struggle, some kind of failure to then learn from it, grow from it, and become better. Whatever it is, basketball, especially when you have a team element to it, and five need to operate as one. And I, I, I wonder long term for the Celtics what what that looks like, and I really wonder what it looks like for Kyrie, because he's really entering the prime of his career now. Uh, he's a great, great player, but clearly something was wrong this season, and uh, I just don't know if he's ready again to be that number one guy. And I wonder if LeBron can help him. Um, so. That's probably, you know, we talk a lot about KD this summer. The Kyrie one is, I don't want to say it's as important. It's not, but it's, it'll change the balance of the league depending on where he goes or if he stays. But I don't think he's going to stay. Uh, I agree. I think, I think he's out of there. More show in a minute, but first, support for Pull Up with CJ McCollum comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos with hundreds of intuitive design features. You can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their websites. Create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X dot com slash pull up to get 10% off. 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, back to the show. So I'll briefly just discuss this scrap, I mean, Skip Bayless situation um, probably once and for all. I've already gave this too much energy. I try not to give negative things energy, but it all started... May 25th, 2019, Skip stated that, I guess it worked for number two to quit on the Spurs last season, complaining of what Spurs doctors decided it was no more than a, high, a thigh bruise. He wound up in the East playing against a hobbled, sick Embiid and overrated Giannis. Crime pays. So I just felt like he was taking shots at a guy who's a member of the NBA. Like So this is not my teammate, but it's like I feel like we're all connected together as a brotherhood, and I'm a guy who's out there actually playing against these players, so I have a better understanding of mentality, um, work ethic, you know, being close to Phil, who works close to Kawhi. I know what type of work ethic he has. I know what type of player he's developed into, and I just felt like it was unnecessary for him to be talking about a guy who's worked so hard to come back from, you know, a, a terrible injury, essentially what it was. He missed 70, 72, 73 games, and to just not give credit. Give credit where credit is due is basically what all of us saying. I told Skip to give it a break. I said, get some sleep in that claw is a monster. Kawhi is a monster. And I told him to get that hate out of his heart. And Skip Bayless went on to say that I'll tell you exactly about how I feel about C.J. McCollum. He spelled my name wrong. Yeah, I know. And you know, I, talk about a guy who makes $10 million a year who – past staff that, that are looking this, these things up. You know, he could have been able to spell my name right, but that's neither here nor there. I just, you know, felt like that was extremely Well, it delegitimizes any argument you make when you spell someone's name wrong that you're trying to argue against. Especially when your job is to be a journalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a very interesting approach, but there's neither here nor there. I corrected him, told him how to spell my name twice, McCollum. It's M-C-C, just in case he has forgotten. O-L-L-U-M. He spelled and with two O's. He spelled it M-C-C-O-L-L-O-M. Yes, two O's. And I just basically told him to make sure you spell my name right from here on out. Thanks in advance. I then went on to see his response um, to what I said. And, you know, he, he again mentioned, he said he thought I was still being hiding after my disappearing act in the fourth quarter. I thought that was pretty funny. That was a good one. You know, he brought a lot of facts. You know, he talked about what I shot in the fourth quarter, which was accurate. I shot poorly in the last three games. I went one for five from the free throw line, which is unacceptable. And I think as a player, um, you you take accountability for poor performance, and I'm a type of guy who has 
historically always taken accountability. Like I never worry about what people think about me because I know who I am as a player. So I thought that, you know, he was accurate in his in his take on how I played in the fourth quarter in three games. But going into that series, I was shooting 51%. And even after game one, 51% in the fourth quarters for the entire playoffs. But, you know, no one wants to talk about that, which is okay because we got we swept. We can talk about that. We got swept, so, like, no one remembers anything. And it's funny because Rich, Rich Eisen, you know, kind of broke down yeah. exactly, you know, what what Skip is trying to do, exactly what usually happens with these talk show guys. Rich basically said it's all a part of a scam. Say or tweet some outrageous shit. Smoke smoke out a top flight athlete. Use their reaction as self-affirmation and future content. Final step is to invite you on the show to discuss and supposedly prove that they can take right, the heat. Exactly. But to boost the overall buzz, which is generally right in this case because then the athlete comes on and responds it gives credence to comes the entire on. argument yes he basically puts you in, a, in the limelight right. he gives you a chance to argue and even if it's just making up you know opinion based statements people are tuned in it boosts the right. ratings you make more money right. everyone's happy I told Rich I appreciate all facts man he's right sure enough Rich says the worst of the worst will use your refusals to appear as Supposed proof that you can't take the heat. At any rate, great run in the playoffs. I appreciate you, Rich. I appreciate Rich. Rich is a great guy. One of the guys I've watched from afar who runs the 40 every year, and it's amazing to see him run the 40-yard dash. And I would He's love- like a 4-4 guy, right? Yeah, he's definitely a 4-4 guy. I would love to be able to do that at some point. But the funny part is that, naturally, he, he says this on May 27th. Okay. So this is uh, a few days ago. A few days ago. <laughs> I, w- I wake up and... Yeah. On the 28th at 8.49 p.m., uh, Skip Bayless, Scrap Bayless, um, hey, C.J. McCullough, I offer you the same opportunity I offer any athlete, coach, or exec who has any issue with me. Remind you, I don't have an issue with him. He spelled my name wrong. And I think he had an issue with you. He spelled my name wrong, talked about by fourth quarter, which is his job. That's the objective sure. reporting. You talk about what happens in the game. Sure. I don't mind that. But spell my name right. That's all. And I commented on that Jalen Rose video of of him, uh, which is hilarious. Jalen Rose talked about how he averaged 1.4 points per game and was a junior on JV. So I basically retweeted that video and said he was sorry as hell, which is evident in his historical performances, which is, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's neither here nor there. I just think it's funny how one can be so critical of someone when they average 1.4 points per game. I just told him to never speak on my name again and called him Scrap Bayless. And <laughs> I also said I disappeared in the fourth, but you were invisible your entire career. It's almost as if it never happened. Happy Monday, Scrap. <laughs> That's the one. So, yeah, I'm, I just thought it was funny, but, you know, I don't, I don't have anything against Skip Bayless. I want to say this. Skip Bayless is... Is what he is. He's a pontificator. Yeah, he's done a great job of building a, a media career as a media personality. And I think we all have a right to our own opinions, which is important. We have a right to our own opinions. I think we should do objective journalism, which means it should be statement-based fact on based. facts. Yeah. Yep, fact-based mm-hmm. statements. I think at times his heart gets the best of him in his journalism. Like his love for the Spurs is great. We're all fans of something. But I think at times he has the ownership slave mentality and over his players. These aren't your players. Kawhi doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe the Spurs organization anything. He's left. He's moved on with his life. And I think the fact that he's he's used certain comments and statements about how the Spurs made him. No, his mom and dad made him. They had a big role in his development. Obviously, they helped him grow. They helped him become more mature basketball player. Tim 
uh, Manu, Pop, they all played a role in that. But I think that he's blown this kind of out of proportion. It takes a lot of work ethic. It takes a lot of commitment to time. And trying to figure out how to become a better basketball player, it's obvious Kawhi has done that. Obviously, the Spurs help, but I just don't, I don't like how he tried to take don't take credit away from a man who's worked extremely hard to turn themselves into an elite player, one that is mentioned as one of the best. Doc Rivers said he's the closest thing to Michael Jordan, by the way. Yeah, and that's that's as good of a statement as you'll get. You're talking about a guy who has no social media. He's not involved. He answers questions, and he moves on with his life, and he's never been involved in any, scandal, any type really. of yeah. scandal or mischief outside of yeah. being an elite basketball player who they say doesn't talk. The biggest thing you can say about a player is that he doesn't talk. I think that's that's saying something. But there's there's also one other thing I didn't like about what Skip said. And it's not more about me. It's more about players in general. He said that Kawhi didn't have the right psyche and that it wasn't in him to be the man and that he was looking around for help when he first became the man in San Antonio. My question is, how does one who sits at a desk who averaged 1.4 points per game know what type of psyche a player in the league has when he's never been good enough to start on a high school team? Like, it's one thing if you worked for the organization and you were around, but you don't know what's in another person's mind. I don't know what's in Kawhi's mind, and I play in the league. But what I've seen and heard based on people around him is that he works extremely hard at his craft. He's been known to be clutch in clutch moments. You're talking about a guy who won MVP early on in his yeah. career of the finals. You're talking about a guy who checked into a game and LeBron looked and was like, fuck, it's Kawhi checking in. Like, So I just, I just questioned some of the things he said. I think that... Other than that, I have nothing against Scrap. And in terms of his invitation, I have a busy schedule. I'm going to be heading to China next week. Uh, if you if you don't mind, he's always welcome to come on the Pull Up Podcast. Yeah. Well, we had we had his old counterpart Stephen A on. Yeah, we had Stephen A on. So you know, it's only right with we extend invitations. So, you know, we have an open book of business that we run, and we like to give everyone a chance to speak, even on our platform. I do. I think it's hard. I think it's really. Really hard for people to look at Skip and say, well, how can he possibly ascertain what Kawhi Leonard's psyche is, to your point, CJ, about not starting on a high school team? But how can anybody know what anybody else is thinking, especially in a moment of, of, of high pressure and playing in the NBA Finals or the NBA playoffs? I, I don't understand how anybody could say he's looking around for help, given Kawhi's history as one of the really clutch players of this generation— how, how could Skip Bayless possibly think that? And and if he thinks that, how, how, why would he come out and attack a player of Kawhi's magnitude and caliber? I have no idea, but I think that based on what I've done uh, from a research standpoint and heard about is that it's just a tactic to get a response. I just got a CJ McCollum, because uh, you're on my... You called it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he called it. Yeah, because you're on my, I have alerts for you. On the alerts. I have like six people that I have alerts from. You're one of them. Yeah, I think that it's just more I, so to get a reaction because as a as a grown adult, there's no way he can believe some of the things that he says in terms of oh, no. talking about LeBron and some of these other great players in the league. There's no way he truly believes it. And I think it's smart because he's been able to build a, a great business. So the business model has worked for him. So, I, I mean, kudos. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm speechless in the sense that that I think it's really uh, it's frustrating as a media member though when like another media member calls out a player of Kawhi's magnitude and and talks about his psyche because again we we don't we don't know what a player's psyche is and it, it just 
it just it just looks like like you're reaching in it and it, it's like a very um it's a very easy thing to attack without really knowing like you said the facts yeah do you do you and what has been the response since uh since the skip feud I mean, it, it seems like most people, or almost everybody, sided with you. A lot of people, I mean, especially in the Kawhi thing, it was yeah. just more like, it's objective. It's factual. Yeah. Kawhi is a great NBA basketball player, regardless of how you feel about him. Even Spurs fans were like, you know, I was sad he left, like what he did to us, you know, not yeah. playing this season, like it hurt me. But he's a great basketball player. Regardless of how you feel about him, he's an elite player. And to question whether or not he was hurt, like, I don't, that's, that's only Kawhi knows. In Kawhi's doctors, some Spurs felt like he could have came back. He was cleared to play, whatever. I feel like it's you can't really question someone's want to to play. I mean, he's playing against playing in the playoff series right now, and he looks pretty hurt to me. So, and he still was great. Yeah, still was excellent and efficient. And guarded Giannis. Guy who's averaging 31, 32 points. He averaged per thirty game. and ten against the Bucks. 30 and 10 against the Bucs, and throughout the entire playoffs, he's averaging like 31, yeah. eight rebounds, and 51%. And he's played more minutes than anybody in the playoffs, by far. So, like, it's hard for me to question his want to. Yeah. When I understand, like, where he comes from, what he's gone through in his life to get to this point, and the strides he's made as a defensive player to a total player. It's hard to question his want to. Like, You've seen the strides significantly? Significantly. Yeah. He came in as a defender. He couldn't shoot, really. Couldn't shoot. Didn't yeah. dribble. Now he's capable of ISOs. He can initiate an offense. He's learned how to make players around him better. He still defends. He shoots threes at an elite clip. He scores at all three levels. The people were comparing him to Jordan. People were not comparing him to Jordan when he got into the league. Well, people thought he was overdrafted when he got into the league as a lottery pick. That's when you know you made serious strides when you go from overdrafted to... Like first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. People are comparing him to his Aaronist. That's when you get those comparisons, you're doing something right. So that's what. So it sounds like that's what really bothered you about Skip. Then. Yeah, like what he said about me is like whatever. I I've heard worse than yeah. that from my friends. If if, <laughs> if, if Skip had if Skip had uh, how much of this would have been erased or nullified or you know mitigated had Skip spelled your name correctly? If he had spelled my name correctly, I would have never even responded. Wow. Wow. Maybe he did it on purpose. Actually, he no, for sure did it on purpose. He knows how to spell my name. Come on, man. But we've already given him way too much clout. Yeah. It's it's not a hard name to spell. I mean, it's you know, you're on you're only on TV every night. Um, okay, well. So open invitation to Skip to come on and talk about it. Yeah, welcome to the pull up pod anytime, man. I, I got a business to run just like you, my friend. So we can't expect CJ to go on the show, right? I have a busy schedule, man. I don't have time for this. Maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't. I won't ever say never, yeah. but it's just not possible right now. You also don't strike me as the person that would go on and. and what am I going to go argue about? Like, yeah. I'm not if it, if I go on the show, it's to have a discussion about the NBA, not yeah. like to talk about me. I don't. Yeah. I'm not that type of person. I live a good life, and it, I'm sure he lives a good life too. So there's nothing to really discuss. Just spell my name right from here it on just, out. It, well, it, it bothers it, it just bothered people that he did that, and it bothered people that he he came at you. Um, it just did not seem didn't feel right. Yeah, for a but lot of it's, it's not not about me, man. I just stuck up for one of my NBA brothers, man. That's all, and now he knows how to spell my name right, so it's all good. All right, so just to be clear, you have the Warriors in five. Man, 
I'm going to say Raptors in four. Raptors with a home court. No, that's not going to happen. Um, Warriors in five or six. Wow. Okay, I like six. I think I think they split here at home. I think the I think the Raptors get game one, lose game two, and then who knows when KD or, or Cousins comes back. Is it more important to? I don't think it goes more than six. I think it's more important to to uh, control Clay, knowing that Steph's probably going to get his. If they can control Clay, they have a shot. I mean, they both have big, big bucket potential. Honestly, big bucket potential. But the guy who's really won the games is Steph, consistently scoring. Clay will go on spurts. He might have 17 in the yeah. second quarter. He might hit a big three down the stretch for you. But in this playoff, Steph 33 in the second half. Steph right. averaging 30 against us. You know, I think he outscored Jordan and somebody else for mm-hmm. most points yeah. per game in a sweep. Yeah. So like he's been the one who's bang. He throws the he throws the haymaker. Clay's Clay's getting those counter punches and bang, 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 like all throughout the game. But is is it possible to control Clay, keep him contained, and then just say we're gonna live with Steph getting 30? I think it's hard to stop him from getting yeah. thirty, but you just got you got to try to limit both of them. Honestly, I mean, Clay averaged twenty something points per game uh, against us, but he didn't shoot particularly right. well from the field. But he right. still hit timely shots. Well, he didn't shoot particularly well from the field because he was having to chase you around. He he's a lot of energy chasing and so Dame and I. That's a tremendous amount of energy, and you run you 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 log more mileage than than pretty much anybody. I do log a lot of miles. So now he's going to have to chase. I, I don't know. I guess he would guard. Uh, Danny Green, maybe? Siakam at times? Those guys don't run like you do. So maybe he'll have more energy to score. That's true. That's very true. All right, we're going to wrap it. Yeah, it was a great pod. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. We appreciate all our special guests that have been coming on. We appreciate all our listeners. And don't forget to pull up. up.